it's always been. We rise up to the challenge, we give the game our all. With sheer determination, we go in for the ball. Hi everybody, welcome to the Big Footy Cats podcast. Uh, we're up to episode 5, season 2016. My name is Willow and uh, I'm joined uh, again by a couple of now regulars in Turbo. Turbo Cat, how are you mate? G'day Willow. Thanks for jumping on board again mate and especially at late notice. Yeah, not a problem. And... Uh, We've also got Cat Empire with us once again. How are you, mate? Good, Willow. Thanks for having me on again. No problems. Thanks for actually organising Turbo to be involved, since I handballed the actual effort of organising it to you this week. <laughs> um, no we've uh, now it's been it's been a fair few weeks since we've actually had a show, um, which is largely due to me. So apologies, anybody that actually wanted to listen to it. Uh, but I've moved house recently, so I've had a few dramas, internet access, secondly, finding where I put my recording things, gear and stuff like that, but we're all up and running again, um, and we've picked a good week to start again, because we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, most recently, obviously, on the weekend, we we returned to the winning list, thank God, uh, beating GWS on Saturday night. Uh, by 10 points, again, we were nice and inaccurate, 14-14, and GWS were freakishly accurate with 14-4. Um, after a couple of poor weeks, which I admit that I didn't see uh, the Collingwood game because I was moving house, um, it was good to, obviously, to get the win and good to see us start to sort of return to the pressurised football that had got us in the position of being... Seven and one to start with. Um, gentlemen, we'll start with uh, where do you think we managed to turn it around on the weekend and what did you take out of the weekend, I suppose? Turbo? Yeah, well, look, if you compared it to the the two previous games, the uh, Collywood game, it was sort of like you were wondering whether they've come off a big game and they were a little bit down, but they just sort of looked a bit off. And then Carlton game was woeful. It was just ordinary. So you could really see that they were ready for this game. You know, when they came out, I thought you could notice that they were at least on. But they had to be on. I think after GWS beat us the first time, surely that was like a a warning sign to them. The days of taking GWS easily are over. You know, you've got to have a lot of respect for them. they, They can cut you up with their speed. They can cut you up with their spread. They've got young talent to burn you know they've got more young talent sitting in the on the sidelines than most have on their lists so you had to come out and they and i think they did they came out and they you could see that they were pretty well in control of the game it's just that as usual they didn't really maximize it we had to we had to come out early i think as well and and have that intent from the first quarter we couldn't afford to start half asleep like we have the last couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, they haven't really been good in the first quarter, have we? No. It's sort of it was almost like a like an an old jock taking a like the first set to warm up the tennis or something. You know, it was like it's taken a while to get into it. But um, yeah, they came out, and I thought uh, they're pr- pretty well on. But like I said, I think they had to be. Um, 
and pretty well apart from the odd player, though, I think they kept most of the GWS players under control. You know, like, you, you take what we did to Cameron every time. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, I know Whitfield played well, but I'm like, oh, well, somebody's going to play well. Yeah, exactly. Cat Empire, what was your, I suppose, what was your take from, I know you were at the Collingwood game, um, and then watching from afar, probably the last two, what have you, what have you seen across the three, or a change to, across the three anyway? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was, first of all, it was a very important game, I thought, you know, we just couldn't lose three games in a row at this point of the season, it just would have put us under so much pressure, I think, coming into um, playing North and, and the Bulldogs as well, uh, that would really have shaped our season in the wrong kind of way, I think, had we lost to GWS. So I'm really glad they um, got the game back on the terms they like to play it. I think the main difference was when we've been beaten this year, the opposition has got hold of us for a period of the game, generally a whole quarter, but even sometimes just... Um, you know, a, a stretch of a quarter. Um, and we certainly saw that in the Collingwood game. They kicked, I think, seven goals in the first quarter. Um, so it was basically over at quarter time. Um, Carlton were up, I think, by three or four goals at half time. Um, and even earlier in the year, GWS got out to a big lead, I think, would have been halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, before we reeled them points. back in. It was about 30 points, I think. Yeah, it would have been six goals, yeah. yeah. Um, and when we've played well, we just haven't let, we haven't allowed a team to do that, the opposition to do that, and um, that was a really pleasing thing against GWS. I didn't think they ever um, got away from us. They, you know, they kicked stretches of two or three goals, I think, at a time, but um, we were with them the whole time, and we were able to play the game on our terms, which is... Um, Pleasing after a couple couple of weeks where we we let get away from us. I thought I thought almost like they were with us rather than we were with them. I thought we were control most of the time. I thought we were sort of controlling it, but we just weren't putting them away. No, that's the impression I got as well. I said to the the uh, mate that I sit with, I remember saying at quarter time, I said we're the better team here. I said probably from halfway they started well. They had most of the possession probably the first five minutes of the game. But I said, once we sort of settled into it, we we controlled the game. But the, what hurt us, I think, on Saturday was it was our wasted ball use going forward and then our wasted chances. And I said, we. I remember saying to him at sort of half-time or three-quarters time, I said, how frustrating is this when we're inside 50, inside 50, poor kick, inside 50, point, inside 50, out of bounds, inside 50, poor kick, inside 50, goal. And then they go, inside 50 once, goal. And that's what it had a bit of a feel of at one point. And we were just working so hard, creating so many chances and just not... It's the old the old, uh, the old, old tale, I suppose, or the old issue that a lot of teams face is that last kick inside of 50. We just weren't quite there with it. But GWS, would they sort of... They could turn us open pretty quick and they were just... They were capitalising. I mean, 14-4, there was a patch there where it felt like every time they had a shot, they were kicking a goal. 
and that was what was keeping them in the game. Realistically, on the run of play, when we when the game finished, I felt that we probably should have won by seven or eight goals. If if the scoreboard was an actual reflection more of the game, I don't think it was as close as the scoreboard um, showed us at the end. Yeah, agree with that. Yeah, look, I think that the thing that gave me a little bit of reassurance within the game was we were starting to actually hit a couple of those, if you said 50-50 type shots. You know, Kirsten nailed an angled shot. From that was a beautiful kick too. The, the Mirable Street city side. Yep. And then later on he kicked one that was sort of like he was looking to pass it off, but it, Somebody just said to him, not go back and have a look, have a, have a go at it. Yep. We sort of talked about those long shots a while ago, I think, in one of the previous podcasts. But Kirsten went back and, and just nailed it. Actually, that was the one I was thinking of. That was the beautiful kick. I was sitting up the yes. other end, and the minute that came off his boot, you knew it was going through. So it was the definition of hitting it sweet. <laughs> so, I mean, two, one was a sort of a really distinct, accurate shot. The other one was nice length. I thought, oh, okay. Hopefully now he could go on and kick another three. You know, like he's 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 got his eye in, and but of course he didn't. Then he started hooking a couple. But anyway, but uh, then then when Henderson got the ball and and just laid into it from about fifty five, I thought, okay, now we're starting to actually score from ones that were fifty fifty instead of just missing the ones you should win on. We're picking up a couple, so. That gave me confidence that uh, it will turn around. We'll, we'll actually start scoring from what we should score from, and and we'll get home. But, I think uh, the other yeah, the other um, pleasing thing um, is I, I really rate GWS. I think they're um, they're one of the top four sides. I think at the moment, or in the, <clears throat> in the first half of the year, they have been. Um, so it really was a danger game. It would you know to lose to them. I think in a way, would have not been surprising given how highly I rate them. But um, I think one of the differences from the first time we played them earlier in the year was I thought they really um, beat us in the midfield in that round two game in Canberra, um, got, a, got a hold of us in the clearances and uh, in particular. But we were able to break even, at least in the clearances. We won the contested possessions pretty comfortably and... We tend to win when we do that, um, and to do that against a quality midfield like GWS, I think, is a really good sign. Yep, and I think a lot of credit you have to give a huge pat on the back to Zach Smith for his game Saturday night. And I, I was at the pub before the game talking with a few of the boys, and and we were saying that like Zach Smith's been a good recruit, but Mummy doesn't suit him. He suits the. We thought that its general consensus was. Smith's probably more suited to this week with Goldstein, someone that runs and jumps and not just the big beast that wants to crash and bash. Um, but, you know, happily proven wrong because Smith was sensational and um, copped a lot of flack, especially on our board, about almost being scared of Mumford in in round two. And when Mumford is in that sort of brute, intimidating mode, I think the GWS midfielders walk a bit taller and... And, and get a yard on him, and that just didn't wasn't allowed to happen. And, um, I mean, I think, did he have 10 clearances himself? Like, which is just crazy, phenomenal, fantastic oh. stuff from a big bloke. And just, um, 
probably one of the more pleasing things from the weekend was just the way uh, he's redeemed himself against Mumford, but just really um, put a stake in that he's going to be the number one ruckman for us as well. After I will admit, I actually thought that Stanley was Stanley had claimed the number one ruckman spot. Did you hear Chris, um, Chris Scott said on one of the shows that that actually Smith has a good record against Mumford? Mm. Yeah, you, you beat me to it, Turbo. That's what I was going to say. Um, it was on three sixty yeah, last night. He said that. That's yeah. right. Said, um, people don't really realise that there's a perception that Mumford's um, going to dominate Smith, but yeah, their their view of it was that Smith's got a good record against him, so that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, but Mumford did dominate him in round two. I don't think anyone can can sort of argue that, but, um, and I will admit to have not probably paid any attention to any of their previous meetings. So, uh, based on what we'd seen, Mumford, you know, Mumford had his nose in front, Mumford was the leader of their battles, but, um, yeah, as I said, Smith was fantastic. What I've thought a couple of times is, he's he's played well one week, and then Stanley sort of played a bit better the next week, and, they, it's almost like they've alternated a little bit, but I just wondered about St- uh, whether Smith can butter up, you know, week after week, whether he comes up sore or he sort of doesn't... Like, he certainly was looking at a different player the last time against GWS. He just... He really played a lot better this time. You wonder if maybe as well that was one of his first sort of... Um, genuine AFL games in a while, wasn't it? The the round one game against Hawthorne, and maybe he did pull up. So maybe now, halfway through the year, he's his body's started to adjust and he's back into the swing of it, playing at the top level. And um, because I remember in, early in the year, um, I think Fred had made comments that he wasn't jumping, but he's certainly jumping again in the ruck. He's he's launching himself. There was a few times where he. I think it was part of his tactic that he jumped early and threw off Mummy, who just wants to run and sort of block you out and, and barrel into you. And and Smith was well up in the air um, ahead of time to, to sort of throw him out and, and was getting hands to the ball as well. So I don't know if there's just anything to the fact that he's now just adjusted back to the life of playing AFL football and not in the, yeah, the second I think score. it's something to monitor to see if he can... If, you know, comes out this week and does pretty much the same job, then uh, we'll pretty well know that it was just him acclimatising himself to the level again. Yep. And and but, now we've probably mentioned, I've mentioned that it's halfway through the year um, and as he's adjusted and it's as good a time as any to, to look at the fact that it is pretty much give or take halfway through the year. Um, so we'll have a bit of a a look at it at all as a sort of a mid-season review type of a thing. Um, so basically, I, I suppose we'll start with uh, if if we can if we want to discuss what's been what's been your sort of the highlight or the thing you've enjoyed the most up till this point or your biggest sort of like at this point of the year um, halfway through Cat Empire. Yeah, I think the um, you know there are a lot of individual. Um, performances I think have been pleasing um, uh, which we've covered probably in previous podcasts and get covered pretty regularly on the board but I think the thing that pleases me the most about the first half of the year is that we've generally been pretty hard to play against like 
I, I know we've had patches where teams have got on top of us, but I think when I look at the games when we've played well, um, in round one against Hawthorne, um, most of the Port game and the Adelaide game, the West Coast game at home and GWS on the weekend, I think those teams just found it really hard to play the way they want to play against us. And I haven't seen that from a Geelong side in a long time, in a, in a few years. I think we've been too easy to for teams to get on top of and to impose their style of game on us. And I, I really like that we're developing a style of game that just makes it difficult for the opposition. I think that's a, a great sign. Turbo, what's your been your highlight or your, what you've enjoyed the most so far? What a, well, I suppose what I've liked is that a, a few of the faces that have come into the best 22 or best 30, whatever you want to deem it, um, whether it's the guys that we've recruited or the blokes that have come back from perpetual injury or a couple of new type faces that have sort of like been around but uh, finally seem to have broken through like uh, our friend Kirsten has you know probably for the first time really come in and and been a a regular player so we seem to have progressed somehow we've 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 actually done all this progress we've gone up the, uh, the ladder and we have moved forward being willing to move some of the old guys on, painful as it is. But I'm like, we've brought three three of the four big names that we've actually uh, recruited in, have come into the side, and they've been big wins. Yep. Menzel's come back, shown all that four years of waiting, and it's all been worth it. You know, like it's like sort of a reward for the, for the club's loyalty in a way. You know, even Link McCarthy has sort of had, still had a couple of issues, but you could really tell that, okay, he's, there's something there. And then you get a little bit of a surprise with Ruggles. You know, he comes in, really, I hadn't even thought about Ruggles, to be honest, and, and we pick up a, a, a name that we wouldn't have been thinking about 12 months ago. So it's those new names that have sort of, okay, that's, that's something fresh, something new. It's, uh, and, we, and we've... Haven't, we've put the new names in and we've actually achieved something by doing it. Yep. I think... What about you, Willow? Yeah, look, I think we'll probably touch on, on players individually um, in a little bit. So from a from a team perspective, I've probably got... Um, I've, probably, I've probably enjoyed the fact that we've had a Ruckman and it's halfway through the year and we've had a number one Ruckman, you know, every week. And we haven't had a a Josh Walker type to to use an example, you know, pinch hitting in there, and and we haven't had to worry about it. And while, um, and, and as you mentioned before, Turbo, this sort of one has a with with the the Smith Stanley combinations, I think, been really interesting to watch, um, and good to watch because, as you said, one has one one they they seem to be alternating weeks almost that they play better, but you wonder if that's a bit of them challenging. There's that competition between them as well. Um, I think the dynamic of them works really well. Um, as I said, I thought that Stanley had inherited the uh, the number one mantle prior to to last weekend. Now I'm sort of reassessing, and I wonder if, in, if, if you argue we don't have a number one, do we have sort of two one-and-a-halves? 
going at it um, <laughs> because they both are they're both more than capable and they both give you a different a different dynamic I mean Smith's well both of them are kicking goals Smith is is competing around the ground he's I remember he was he was referred to as soft by a couple of people when we got him but I think he dismissed that pretty early um, because I don't I think he's he's genuinely shown that he's pretty hard at the contest he's pretty eager to tackle and compete um, and he applies fantastic pressure for a bloke that's 206 centimetres when he's in the forward line. He runs and chases like he's um, like one of the little blokes. And then, you know, Reece Stanley, who who I will admit that from the very first ruck contest I saw him in last year, I thought he could make a ruckman. There was just something about it. He didn't look out of place, I didn't think. Um, he's still obviously raw and he's learning, but geez, it's good to watch the ruckman tuck the ball under his arm and run away from a midfielder and and launch it long forward as well. So that's probably been what I've enjoyed the most. And even if they don't win the tap outs, even if they don't win the hits, you've got blokes in there that compete that at least split the contest if they're not winning so I don't know I haven't got the stats and someone will probably prove me wrong with what I'm about to say but it doesn't feel like we've been smashed in the ruck apart from when mummy sort of took us apart and that was more with his physicality anyway it feels like we're not getting smashed with the hit outs and and at least that the flow on effect from that is it helps our contested ball which absolutely helps us in all our assets we if we win clearances and contested ball we generally win the balance has sort of swung more towards our favour than it was previously. Yep, absolutely. I think if, even if you look across the season, Willow, last year we were 18th uh, for hit-outs um, or, or differentials. Um, this year we're fifth. Yep. So, um, I mean, it's just a massive improvement. And it, it, it was an area that we were just never going to be competitive if we couldn't at least drag ourselves up to, to mid-table in hit-outs. Because it just put our midfield at such a disadvantage, um, but now at least you know being fifth, that's 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 a really good position to be in for our midfield, and it's reflected in the other stat categories as well. Clearances, we were eighteenth last year, now we're fourth. Contested possessions last year we were thirteenth, now we're third. Yep. So it's just flowing through the whole midfield. I mean, it certainly helps to get Dangerfield um, in there as well, but he's not the only one who's contributed to that change, certainly the rucks have um, made a huge difference. And I think... Yeah, well, they give you a chance to get first bite at it, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And, and I they, think Turbo, and I think... I always thought that, um, you know, like, when we had Blake, you know, he had a lot of things that you could criticise, but he rarely got beaten in the centre bounce. He always at least neutralised it. So, you know, you'd, you'd have a fair chance of maximising the, the contested ball. And then you add danger as well. So you've not only improved the chance of getting a decisive possession, you get a better person at getting it. So, yeah, you've got to improve the stats, haven't you? And I think, Turbo, you and I had agreed at some point as well that it's not even about if we don't win the hit-outs. It's just minimising the amount that the opposition wins. So, whereas if, you know, they had previously had it on a platter and, and you, their ruckman were up against it had... 45, 50 hit-outs, he may be only sort of getting 25, 30 now. And it's just that extra... As long as there's a contest, and if you're splitting a lot more of them, 
you're still creating more opportunities or making it easier for your midfield instead of having having the opposition midfield having their nose in front and getting that early advantage as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so because that it probably if you went back over the last what four years, three years when we've lost the finals, it's been it's a size of fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or something from the other side that has had big man power over us that that I think has contributed to us going tall man crazy in a way. Um, you know whether it was Sanderlands in the, the the final down here or whether it was Goldstein, you know, in that last quarter taking a marks, you know, the, what was it two years ago? Um, you could see why they wanted to at least take that out of it and, and bring uh, our overall players back into the game, so to speak. Yeah, and I think you mentioned um, in an earlier show that we did about how Scott potentially had been coaching with one arm tied behind his back previously. Oh, I think... And oh, now, I certainly think so. Yeah, now yeah. with the, the Ruckman and the players that he wants in the team, are we seeing the, the benefit of that? Look, he, I certainly... Yeah, I certainly think that... Uh, he definitely likes the idea of, of reducing the other side's score. You know, like if if he had a target, it would be, you know, 70, 80 points more than us kicking more. But it, it, by giving us uh, more chance to the centre break, you, you achieve both, don't you? You know, like you can score more, and when you're scoring, the other side isn't. Yeah, absolutely. And now if we just to, to briefly touch on... The other side of the coin, um, you know, midway through the year, halfway through the year, what's been, what haven't you enjoyed or what's been your biggest disappointment um, so far or an area you want to see us approve in uh, Cat Empire? Uh, I'll probably take, take the low-hanging fruit here, guys, and, and say I think we, we really want to see improvement in the way we convert our chances in in the forward 50. Um I think we are number one for inside 50s now, um, but not... I think we're third for scores four in the league, um, and our accuracy is clearly last in the league. So um, I think we're definitely generating enough chances to be a premiership contender, um, but if we're going to be as patchy as this in converting chances, um, you can just see the, a final where it it it, uh, um, it comes back to haunt us, and um, uh, we we let a side get get on top of us through missing chances that we should get, and I hope we stamp it out quickly because um, it's just it's, it's going to be a nervous time if we enter September with this kind of form in front of goals. You could argue that it probably has cost us a couple of games as well. I think the GWS game early in the year, we missed a swag of opportunities in the first quarter before they really looked like doing anything. Um, I think against Carlton, the same. We we were clearly the better team general play-wise, I felt, in the first quarter, but we just couldn't we just couldn't convert and then you give the, op- the opposition a, a sniff and a chance and if they do convert, it's... Um, all of a sudden you're chasing ass for the rest of the game. So, like I said, I think you could almost argue that it has cost us um, 
granted, we don't know how the game would have played out. It may have been the same result if we'd kicked straight, but um, I don't think we've helped our own cause anyway in the game. I think, I think it was lost. very much in the Collingwood game too, CE, wasn't it? Yeah, the Collingwood game is the worst example, I think, where um, we lost by 23 and Champion Data had the expected scores, us winning by nine. Yep. So that's a 32-point differential. Um which is pretty bad. But I think it's hurt us in games where our kicking has been bad in games where it hasn't hurt us in terms of the result. Like against Essendon um, was a particularly bad one. Against the Gold Coast wasn't great. Against the Crows uh, it was pretty awful. Crows wasn't good. Um, but we won all of those games. So it probably masked the problem a bit. Um, and, and, you know, you can just see, well, the Collingwood game is won, but it, it'll, it'll happen again if, if we keep it up. Yep. It's, and and as we mentioned before, there was the double whammy that we're missing while the other side is almost unbelievably accurate. So I guess there's I mean, the um, there is the question, Will. I think you might have got on the on uh, a bit of a Twitter discussion about it earlier in the week about does it reflect you know where we're taking our chances from and and where the opposition's taking theirs. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, I had there was a discussion. Earlier in the week, uh, from an esteemed that that stemmed started from an esteemed poster um, <coughs> on this board, on our board, and and former podcast guest as well in SJ, um, and there was and now I'm quickly trying to scramble to find what we were talking about, but it was there was a discussion about um, the location of of where we were. Um, it, there we go. It was about inaccuracy, a big talking point for the weeks at Geelong, but that's just the symptom. And and he's got the a a, uh, a graph of or a, a map showing his last night's behinds. Um, and he his argument is the bigger issue that we don't generate anywhere near enough good opportunities to convert. So he's and and he's got a, a graph on there and it shows that the large majority of our behinds i think there were three that were pretty much straight in front we should have kicked from sort of about 25 out but the majority of them from outside 50 and and largely to sort of the left hand side if you're looking straight at the goals so we're taking a lot of shots from sort of the half forward flank and 50 out um and, and discussing sort of, we're just looking if it's the problem with the inaccuracies caused by the players missing goals that they should kick or just from where we're taking taking the uh, the shots from. And I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on on that. Turbo, have you noticed anything or do you have any thoughts on that particular, those particular points? Oh, uh, look, it's like probably a lot of things. I don't think it's purely just one thing. Um, I think it wraps into the style of play that we are doing now. I don't know how it really compares to the traditional Fremantle method, but I think that they seem to have the same issue where they would control it and go boundary a bit or and you end up having a lot of shots from you know either side of the 45, you know, closer to the boundary or whatever else because you haven't gone our traditional method of going down the middle. But... Um, also, I think we have had enough shots from where we should have got them. You know, like it's not purely just their style of play. 
play. I mean, like, some of the shots that we've missed, I mean, like, geez, Menzel missed one from 15 metres out. Like, it, it was like a some sort of pandemic there for a while. Uh, <laughs> Danger Fields missed a couple of sitters. Mm. I mean, that, well, that's this is where I, I, I sort of, you know, can get wound up about what type of practice they say that they're practising because, you know, like, to miss from there just indicates that like, something's not right. You know, I don't, you know, it's it's like a professional golfer missing from two inches away from the hole. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But, I think, uh, uh, yeah, go on. I, I think the other thing is, um, I mean, I, it does have to be down to, to the style of play to some extent. Um, and my observation of the way we play is we're attempting to get as many forward entries as we can rather than as many quality forward entries as we can. So um, we just want the ball in our half for as much of the game as we can and we think we can generate enough chances to kick a winning score if we do that. A, because you know we're scoring, but B, we're denying the opposition the opportunity to score while the ball's in our half. And I think that what that means is that when it's congested, and there's no space for forwards to lead to the places they want to lead, uh, which is the corridor, so they've got nice, easy shots at goal. You're taking shots from all over the place, and they're not um, necessarily uh, well set up. Um, and also the flip side to it, we, if you look down the, the column of how our opponents have scored, and, and it does seem like they've scored very easily and very accurately, um, GWS being a good example of that, when the ball is congested in our half for a lot of the game, when it comes out quickly, there's just a ton of space for the opposition um, to to attempt to score. It's usually one-on-one or two-on-two um, if we can keep the, the numbers even. But that, that means that they usually get to, to score from running into an open goal or, or kicking to someone on a lead in a spot where they want to be kicking from. That's got to be a part in, in all of this, I think. It is a way we're choosing to play, but um, it is having an effect on how accurate we are and how accurate we're letting our opposition be. Yeah, and I just and I with um, with SJ's tweet that he'd sent out, I did I replied saying I was wondering if the opposition's constant accuracy against us is due to the shots we allow them, which is sort of touching on what you just mentioned at the end there, CE, uh, and then Buddha who Buddha two thirty who is a long time. Not so much of a poster these days, but still a long-time Bigfooty lurker. I know that much. Um, an occasional poster. He jumped in with more evidence and and showing that GWS pies plenty of corridor goals given up. And again, we had a lot of shots from the left-hand pocket. And um, and then which I was thinking, you know, is it a result of our press and the and the space available once the team gets through? Um, and we sort of thought it potentially his, his response was that, um, you know, when you have fast, unexpected turnovers, um, the defence doesn't have enough time to reset. And, and as there should be then, when you're not reset, there's there's far too much space. So they're, they're getting themselves a lot of shots that are corridor shots and, and within 50. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I think, I think we have tried to move to a a controlled movement of the ball rather than the, the, the tsunami-type movement of the ball 
where we got caught out so often and we got burnt. If we, I've, I've heard Scott talk about like making, if we're going to make errors, make errors where it doesn't flow on and cause uh, like a, a sort of like a an error that will burn you. Um, so he'd rather, if you're going to drop a mark or whatever else, drop it in the forward pocket or whatever else. Don't drop it in the middle where you get opened up. That, yeah, opened up. So I think that it all wraps up into the same sort of mindset. So like, okay, we're protecting ourselves. We're going to hold the ball. And then if you're a little bit down on foot skills, if you haven't got the foot skills to really move it quickly and still hold the ball, then it slows down and then the movement goes forward slowly. And then, you know, it all sort of ties into the same sort of methodology. It's, um and it, this, this whereas I think GWS has got that much you know leg speed they've got highly skilled that they're just backing themselves now they're really um, I could see them playing exactly almost how we were playing in 07 08 09 and getting away with it that this probably then leads to and there of most weeks when we're doing a podcast I send a quick tweet out and um, to try and get some interest if uh, if the people that run the the big footy account get a chance to retweet it or anything but uh, I put out the question tonight saying to offering suggestions for people to for what they would like us to discuss and um, we received a reply this week but I've sort of given up the goat of who who it was. We were gonna, I was going to pretend we didn't know who it was, but it was SJ um, <laughs> saying to he wanted to discuss the forward press slash slow ball movement combined with slow key forwards and mediocre small forwards. So very to the point with, uh, and he's probably got an issue that he would like to discuss at some point. I'm assuming reading that, um, but. what you just mentioned then turbo probably sort of leads into a part of that where you said instead of the tsunami type football it's much more controlled and methodical i think they like they try try to control it at least Um, as soon as we lose control then it looks woeful (laughs) i suppose i i remember i'm pretty sure after the adelaide game on i think it was on the couch which i don't watch a great deal of but i just happened to catch a bit of it this particular week and I think they were looking at the the way Geelong set up and they were mentioning how Geelong do slow it down there that when the ball's in sort of the the half back area um, we do slow the ball down to and then the theory from I think it was Jonathan Brown maybe David King as well was we're deliberately slowing the ball down in that part of the ground so that it allows our defence time to set up behind and then obviously minimizes the damage if we do turn it over that they're in position and ready to go um i don't know if you guys have got any particular thoughts on that or what your thoughts are on the 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 particular move the way we're moving the ball um and at the same time i suppose what else sj has touched on with the forwards at the other end where it's going to and how the roles they're playing um turbo do you have any particular Thoughts well, on that. Um, look, I think that the game's obviously, you know, changed. Everybody is pressing, you know, like all 18 sides press. So 
you basically have to you're in the game or you're not you know and it's it's just a matter of whether you overpress or you hold certain forwards back and I think sometimes uh, I've heard certain guys even what is it Troy Selwood he's he's in the club you know oh the forwards are getting too too far um, but it's fine when it works but if it gets over the back then you you're well and truly open so if you press like that, you're almost gambling a little bit that you're going to cause the turnover and then you're going to get a, a score from it. And it works sometimes, then it doesn't work the other time. So it's a, it's just a balancing act. And I think the, the longer we do it, uh, I suspect we'll get better at it. Our small forwards, well, all our small forwards, then they're, they're not... Um, you know, the best small forwards in the league. They're all learning their caper. They're all trying to sort of find their way a bit, aren't they? I do think, um, I do but, think that uh, mediocre probably is, comes across as harsher than it probably should be or deserves to be. I mean, like you said, our small forwards are learning. They're all young. So whilst mediocre is probably an accurate description because they're just average players at the moment, they're not stars, Um I still think I think they've got high ceilings, a few of them, and, and are showing glimpses and, and a fair bit of potential to turn into very good players. Yeah, yeah I, think I, that's right. I, I think Lang and McCarthy have shown enough to sort of say, okay, they've, they've got enough ability. It's just a matter of you know getting that bank of games, you know, the traditional sixty, eighty bank of games where they start. You can start to rely on them to be pretty dependable week in week out. And, yeah. you know, we're a fair way away from that. We're getting games out of guys when they've only got 20, 30 games or whatever it is. You know, McCarthy's even less than that, isn't he? So, you know, really in a way we're, we're asking a lot of the players and we've got a few players like that. So they're going to make mistakes. It's just the way it is. Yeah. I think I, I, I've got, a, I guess, a couple of observations about what um, about what SJ said. Um First of all, I guess I would ask, is it a symptom of a problem, the way we're moving the ball, or is it by design and, you know, intention of the coaches to do things this way? And I I would say it's definitely the latter. <clears throat> and I, I'm, I, I give a lot of credit to the, to the coaches for what they've been able to do this year. I think they've recognised where our strengths are, and that's in... Um, a really dependable back six with quite a few tall defensive options. Um, obviously, with Dangerfield and Selwood in, there's a, a core strength there in sort of inside midfield. Um, and with Stanley and Smith, there's a dependable ruck duo. And I think what they've decided is um, we don't have the quick players that you need to play the style of game like um, like uh, like we good uh, 10 years ago like a good 10 years ago like at Geelong of old or even um, you know some of the teams some of the younger teams today um, they love to fling the ball around and and run the ball out of defense and it looks great and when it comes off it's you know it's really it's really successful and it does cut through teams. But I think the coaches recognise we just don't have those players. So let's play to a, play to our strengths, um, use the experience of our back six, and let's launch our attacks from there. 
and let's do it slowly. We don't have the players to, to run through the middle of the ground. Let's just do it slowly. We'll force contests, and we can have Dangerfield and Selwood hopefully win contests with a decent ruck duo supporting them. And we'll bring the ball forward slowly. We'll get it in to the forward line, and then we'll pour the pressure on, and we'll keep the ball in there, and eventually we'll kick the goals. And I think that's, you know, it's a, it's a proven to be a pretty dependable game plan so far. Um, it's got, it's come undone a couple of times when the intensity hasn't been there, but, you know, 8-3 and three says it's, it's worked pretty well. Yep. Um, as for the, you know, the small forwards comment, I, I see a little bit of merit in what SJ is saying in that we don't have that Eddie Betts or um, player like Luke Bruce who just turns those half chances into goals. Uh, the ball just got to get in their area, and they'll they'll kick goals. You know that they they can't help but kick goals. We just don't have that type of player who would be really so valuable the way we're playing at the moment with the balls in our forward fifty so much of the time. Um, we just don't have that player that can convert the chances, and I think that's part of what he's saying is we've got a lot of dependable, average, you know, um, small forwards, but they're just not going to convert chances unexpectedly. They're going to get them, you know, at an average rate. Do we do we not have that small forward yet, or do we not have it? Because I think, um, and his body's got to hold up, but he's shown huge signs that he could potentially become that player is Link McCarthy. Just yeah, in the I love, fact I love, that he's, yeah. he's ferocious at it, he hits it hard, he's, he's good skills on both sides of his body, he's not He's not a one-sided player. He can, he gets, he's, he seems to hit the crumb well and and to be able to snap it round. He's kicked a few, like I think he's, he kicked a bag of two or three in a couple of games and looked early on, um, but he's very, very young in his actual AFL games played career as well. So I mean, I'm, I'm looking at him as being on an upward curve and only going to get better, or hoping yeah. so. <laughs> Hoping he I've got a really, really high opinion for McCarthy. I think he's, if his body holds up, he's he's going to be a very good player. Um, I, I'm not sure he's that kind of lethal small forward though, where he's going to be able to kick four or five goals and really turn a game on its head. I think he's a, he's the type of player who, um, you know, he he brings others into the game. He's, um, you know, he's really solid overhead and he's attacks the contest really hard and they're all great traits to have um, but just what I'm talking about in terms of that sort of player who who just um, is able to convert chances into goals um, monotonously I, I'm not sure McCarthy's that, I hope he is but I'm not sure that's him and while we don't have that sort of player I don't think we will have that sort of player this year at least um, you know we, we're going to see a little bit of a dour performance from our forward line, I think. Yep. Mm, I, I don't think we recruit those types. I mean, we. I think with McCarthy, with Lang, um, with uh, Gregson, they all show the type of, you know, ability that could quite easy adapt, uh, easily adapt further up the field eventually. Yeah, we don't don't seem to really look at the the Betzes and those types. You know, look look at Stokes. You know, he's that type that when he was at his best, okay, we could use him to pass the ball to. He goes back, sets shot. 
he's not really a natural crummer. And even with McCarthy, I mean, like my early questioning of him was that, like, oh, look how good he can can get up and take a specky or something for a small guy. You know, like I think, well, that's not naturally what you want from a forward pocket bloke. But um, when when you see them upfield, think, okay, I can see what they're doing. You know, once once you get the games into them, okay, they start there, we kick goals and whatever else. But you'll develop a goal kicking midfield by eventually they'll just transition further away from goals and you bring somebody else in. Um, Just a pure forward pocket, I don't think we like that for whatever reason. I don't think it's our our preferred drafting methodology. I think that's right. Wells likes um, versatile types. Um, And, yeah, that's that's not the type of player I'm talking about. Well, I think we have that type of player, but he's more value upfield in Motlop. He's the type yeah, of player yeah. that can be lethal around goals and turn those quarter chances into a goal. But I think yeah, that's cool. we're better that's served. We're better served with his other asset when he's up and on his game is his gut running from yeah. fifty mm-hmm. to fifty yeah. and the link and carry he gives us and and I don't want him tackling, you know, getting 15 tackles a game and stuff like that. I think if he's up and running well, we're giving him the ball on the half-back line and he's carrying it down the ground and hitting Hawkins up going forward. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. So he, it's, it's, it's funny you brought up, brought up him. It's his 100th game this week, isn't it? And there's been minimal fanfare about it in terms of big footy. I think there's a thread there and it had about eight posts on it. So he's not exactly the flavour of the month. Is um, is Mots, and after having a pretty ordinary start to the year, he he came very very good for a burst, and then he's sort of he's dropped back off a bit. So hopefully he he's picks a of, good week to sort of light it up. Uh, yeah. I sort of think he, he's the the type of player that you've you know you've got to take the good with the bad a little bit because. Yeah. If you want him to perpetually change to be something he's not, you're always going to be disappointed. You sort of got to you work out whether you can live with the bad so that you can t- enjoy the good. Yep. You know, and like Johnson was like that. A lot of a lot of players are like that. You know, like it's just sort of got to, okay. He gives away for a kick, but he, he makes up for it here or something like that. Well, Mutlop is never really going to be a tackle machine. Yes, he's yep. not. No, the t- but he's, he's better. He's, he's not, he's, that's not where his true value to the team is either. No, well, well, I th- I thought one of his most beneficial assets to the team was a couple of weeks ago when nobody could kick a goal. What did he do? He kicked it straight. He got it through. He put it on the board when we're desperately in need for somebody to score for us. He found a way to do it. Now, sometimes when he's the type of player that he is, the ball just will not run his way, or the you know the setup. He'll be ahead of it, or he'll be behind it, or something. And just and that's what it looked like. GWS. I thought he was trying hard enough, but it just wasn't going his way. Yeah. Yep. You know, and and when it doesn't, he's the type that's going to look ugly. Yeah. I agree with that. It, it, he's sort of like, oh, it doesn't look like he's trying, but I reckon he was trying. It just didn't look good. Wasn't working. Yep. Great call. So, so I uh, I hope you're right. I hope that you know it comes out this week and he can kick two or three. Whether he's um, I bet you they're not on his left foot. Um, <laughs> That's just for balance, I think. <laughs> but yeah, if, if he can get the ball, you know, he, he's probably a legit eighty meter player, isn't he? Really, because yep. like he can he can run thirty and kick the fifty meter goal. Yep, I agree with that. Yep. And 
I'm I'm one that does turn on him pretty hard when he's down, but um, he's the type of player that if he's on early, he can lift the team around him as well. I reckon if he's if he's up and about early, um, he can really spark everyone else into action. Um, yeah, well, it's I think he's probably easy to criticise. A lot of players like that are, aren't they? Yep. Uh, it's, it's, some players, they look like they're trying their guts out, whereas other players, when they've sort of got that lackadaisical sort of stance and, and gait about them, they just sort of almost look like they're disinterested sometimes. It's just it's just not their week. Now, we could probably we could probably talk all night about, and we've got a heap of issues that we could still cover, but... Um... Given how long we've been going already, I might we might skim off a few things off our list. But one thing we cannot not mention is that we're without our full forward, our key forward this week, in uh, <laughs> Tom Hawkins, who has accepted um, a one week a one week penalty for um, was it for striking? Is that what they graded it as? See, you'd probably be more up with the terms. <laughs> I assume it would yep. be. I couldn't see what else it could be. Yep. Um, as much as I'd love to have a big, massive rant about this, I'll probably rein myself in a bit because of how long we've been going already. Um, where to start? I mean, I think, firstly, the most disappointing thing about all of this, regardless of how stupid... Now, Hawkins has to take the responsibility for it for putting himself in the situation to start with. It's the simplest way to not miss any weeks is to not do something like that. That being said, there is not a chance in hell that that was worth two weeks. And the fact that he... the that the clubs are almost... I won't say bullied, but almost sort of left with no option with appealing just due to the fact that we say... They say, that's giving you two weeks, we'll give you a week off if you accept it. I mean, I just... I probably don't. I'll probably get too wound up to actually be able to verbalise what I think about it. But it's if if that is worth two weeks, I have obviously been watching the wrong game for all these years because I could understand if they gave him one week and then he could appeal it, and there was no extra, um, you know, no extra penalty for appealing it. That would make a tiny bit more sense to me. But to grade that as two weeks, considering the crap that they let go everywhere else, um, is just shocking. And it makes you question why sometimes, why you even bother watching, to be honest. So I sort of think the club, as much as the emotive side of it comes out and says, ah, you got to take that on, that's crap, the club looks at the risk management side of it and says, well, we can't, we don't want him missing two weeks. And I think that's what probably sways them. Um, yeah, I'll let someone else... Who else wants to have their say on that? Well, <laughs> I'll just think about it a bit more. <laughs> I think just, you know, the, the ambiguity of, of how they come up with what's worth what and what they decide to actually say is, oh, yes, that's hard enough to actually say it's worth something, whereas other times, no, that's, you know, oh, that's far too weak. That wouldn't be classified as something that should be sanctioned. You know, like... Uh, and then at the same time, you, you can brush a fly off somebody's chin and you get sanctioned and somebody else goes whack and puts them on the ground, whacking them in the guts, and that doesn't get sanctioned. 
I mean, it, it's just all over the place at the moment. I, I, I don't quite understand it. I'm like, would you say to Hawkins, next time somebody's giving you a, a bit of grief, just make sure you only, you know, hit him in the guts. Don't go anywhere near his head. Because the worst that will happen there is you only give away the free kick and maybe a bit of money. Uh, it, it, it's silly at the moment. It's I, I, I'd really wonder if you were the NRL spin doctor up there, I, I, I'd say they'd be sort of saying, oh, look, we can make hay out of this. I'm like, they, two guys looking at each other, they, they sanction the bloke that's sort of like does it face-to-face, but they don't do anything against a guy that does sort of a snide, cheap, cowardly hit. Makes you do it. Does make you wonder where it's going, to be honest. But you know, a little bit old fashioned like that, I'm afraid. So, you know, I sort of, I mean, they talk about if Hawkins had hit him hard, you know, built like this or built like that. Maybe that's what they, you know, really want. They, they, they sort of don't want them to touch the face at all. They don't go near it. And the bigger you are the more likely you're going to get punished. Uh, it's really hard to work out. Cut Empire? Yeah, look, uh, a couple of things. I won't go on about it, but um, uh, I think what annoys me the most is just the inconsistency of it all. Um, I mean, I saw another incident at the weekend where Siegler ran past a player behind the play and elbowed him in the face and got exactly the same penalty that Hawkins got, exactly the same grading. Todd Viney um, threw bloody three at yeah, Ebert the week yeah. before. Todd Viney, Jack Viney, threw three at bloody Ebert the week before and got the same penalty. Yeah, and so, were I mean... Deliberate. They were deliberate. There was no jumper punches. He threw a combo, so... Yeah, yeah. Just... I mean, while, while we're getting that sort of inconsistency, fans are going to be annoyed, um, annoyed by these results. I think the other thing is, I, I thought at the start of the year they revamped, or last year they revamped the system, introduced the fines um, for minor offences, um, tried to simplify it all, make it clearer so we got more consistent decisions. This is exactly the type of incident that deserves a fine. It's just, it's just a no-consequence incident that didn't hurt anyone, didn't have any... Um, risk of hurting anyone and it's just exactly the type of incident that needed a fine and everyone would have nodded their heads and said yep fair enough don't don't do it again hawk or you'll be even lighter in the pocket next time um but you know just to, for it to start off as a two-week incident a two-week penalty i think is just absurd i'd agree with that i think the times they're trying to and you see the chart that they use to determine it all, and it's just they're trying to make it too black and white when the game doesn't necessarily allow that. And I don't know, but they, you know. And the, the most annoying thing about all of this is you can bet that Hawk will be the only player suspended for doing that this year. So <laughs> they'll come out and and you know if they're going to make a stand against jumper punches and all this and that, that's fine. Do it for everyone, but. They'll do it this week. They've copped a whack in the media from everyone now about it, so you can bet your bottom dollar they won't do it again all year. They'll tuck that one away, and it'll just be one player that's that's forced to miss games of footy for something that no one else has had to miss for. 
What, exactly. What's the carryover point situation? Any, any idea? I don't. I don't even understand how it works anymore. I think, I think they, they got rid I of. I think the they points. that. I think. I think there's no points anymore. It's just like a simplified system. With, um, so, so there's no no issue if like there's another situation later on in the year where it can turn from one game to two. I don't think so. No, I think I think you get a loading like a percentage loading, but it's not it's not points based anymore. Okay. So it might be like ten percent or something or twenty percent. Or subsequent offences. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It just makes you shake your head, really. That's all. If if they were consistent, if they were going to be consistent, then we'd all cop it and wear it. But um, the only consistent thing about the the match review panel is that they're inconsistent. So um, it's just what it is, and it seems like we just have to suck it up and and move on, basically. As as frustrating as annoying as that is, um, sort of leaves it leads us to this week, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, no Hawkins. Yeah, it leads us to this North. week. We're playing um, the top of the table team, um, and we're sitting third. So it's a big clash Saturday night at the at the Dome at Etihad. Uh, North are ten and one. They've been questioned by many people, myself included, as is to their. Uh, to see what their actual credentials are and if they're actually good enough or if they've just benefited from a soft draw. Um, Hawkins out doesn't help, that's for sure. Um, how do we think... Well, I suppose, firstly, what do you expect? What changes do you expect now that Hawkins is is out and, and what which way do you see us going, CE? Yeah, I mean, there's a few options. Um the simplest one is obviously just bringing Stanley straight in um, and, and trying to replicate the same structure we've, we've had with Hawkins but with Stanley there instead. Um, I tend to think they might chance their arm on Vardy just because of the Goldstein factor. I think they um, will want both Smith and Stanley available rucking um, for 100% of the game. Um, so I think despite Vardy's poor form... He was an emergency last week, um, so they obviously think he's not far away, and I think they they might just chance their arm on him. The other option, of course, is to play a smaller forward line, and um, I've just got real doubts about whether that's possible given the style of game we try to play, where we kick the ball in long to Hawkins and then try to lock it in. I think if you don't have that player there, then um, uh, then you've really got to change the whole way you play, and I'm not sure we're able to do that just on one week's notice against the top of the ladder team. Turbo, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the like, it presents a, a challenge, but it maybe a um, you could try to replicate the Hawkins setup, but there's nobody else that's sort of Hawkins really is there. I mean, like Barty, even though he's tall, most people question his marking ability. Um, Stanley, I don't think has ever been a great success as the the sole. Uh, forward target, but probably has never been given that role. To be honest, I'm like, what at St Kilda there was always Reed Walt, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, so we probably haven't really got anybody else that could slip in and take that number one mantle. Even we can have, we can put a bloke in there that can sort of okay, he can take a mark and whatever else, but you're not going to sort of instantly replace Hawkins. 
um, if we had more midfield options, if there was sort of like if Menegola was ready to come in or something like that, I could see them sort of trying Dangerfield forward more to try to try a different setup, try something different, make use of the the week off that you you you've got Hawkins out. Okay, let's try something. Um, even if it's not, if we play them against in the finals, it wouldn't be what we've got, but it gives you a chance to, to just try something. Um, the trouble with having going for the small forward is uh, it's a bit like what we were talking about before. I don't know if we're our best players are small. Um, we're sort of we'd be hoping for Kirsten and for Menzel and for whoever else is down there to actually take some marks and kick some goals. Uh, so yeah, oh well, it'll be interesting to see how they set up. Uh, they, they bring you think they'll bring in Vardy and Stanley? See it? Uh, well, Stanley will definitely play. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's just we, we have had Smith, Stanley, and Hawkins in the team. So I think Stanley kind of is a no-brainer to come in but he doesn't really replace Hawkins in my mind. He comes in as that second ruckman that we just didn't have last week. So the, so, role, um, so the role he's been playing, basically, just returns to that. Yeah, yeah, it's that resting forward, but but also spending you know significant time in the ruck as well because I think we'll need it against Goldstein. So the other, the other option, probably the most legit forward option, would be if we had somebody else, if we weren't playing north, and you had somebody else to help down the defensive end, to swing Henderson forward. Yeah. I mean, he's he, he's talented enough to play that role, and he's played it before. Um, but yeah, no, would you really no want to mess it up? He's, yeah, he's, he's playing he's so well down there. Yeah. And the other thing is, North, North have the tall forwards that you need him back there for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in our, in our ideal situation, Mitch Clark would have played VFL about two or three weeks ago not just last week, and he'd just come back in. But they've obviously made it perfectly clear that they're not going to bring him back in for until after the bye, um, which is, you know, the right thing to do, you'd just you'd assume. But uh, in an ideal world, he'd be the one that would be ready ready to go because he's certainly well, talented enough to play that role. Yeah, he he, he has got the mindset and the skills to, to play that role. But where do we see him coming back in? I mean, if we we got to the bye, then both the VFL and the AFL have the bye the same week. So then, does he come in back in to the side after that bye, or does he play another week in the VFL? And you know, if, where do you fit him in? Oh, I don't know I'm where they. Gonna... I don't know where they fit him in, but I get the impression that they'd like to after the bye. <laughs> so whatever, <laughs> just the fact that they've. They've mentioned it and, and said after the buy, I'm pretty certain that they've got a set plan and they want him in. Um, I've got no idea where. Um, I mean, in the in the nab in the nab, we played with Smith, Stanley, and Vardy and Hawkins. Um, Extended bench though. Yeah, that's right. And so does that force one of the tools at the back to to go out and things to be reshuffled? Does it? I mean, it's a pretty bloody big forward line if you've got, yeah, right. you know, Stanley, Clark, Hawkins, and then Menzel and Kirsten, who aren't small. But granted, Kirsten's a lot quicker than his size would probably 
um, you'd think it indicate. And and Smith at the same time, he moves better than a bloke his size should as well. But you still, geez, you'd, I wouldn't want to see that team stroll out on a wet day um, because the opposition defence would just run away happily with the ball. Yeah, if you, you don't if you don't take the mark, you're going to watch the ball bounce out pretty quick. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, I wonder what Vardy was thinking the other day in the VFL watching Clark kick three goals. I mean, he'd be sort of like wondering where he's all, where he's going to fit, wouldn't he? Well, I hope that so maybe kick up the Maybe he comes and in and this is his chance. Up. Yeah. I hope that Clark coming back sort of puts a rocket up Vardy's ass and he actually gets himself back up and going because um, surely now he has to be aware that He's not just going to walk back into the team. And not only that, there's someone else who's come back who's probably already jumped, almost jumped in front of him or is very close to it. So um, it's getting a bit now or never for him, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Everybody loves the idea of bringing in talent until it affects their position. <laughs> I suppose, where do we see this week, this weekend? Um what do we? How do you see us going? Or what are your thoughts on the upcoming game? And um, where do we beat them? Basically, Turbo, do you have any thoughts? Well, I sort of thought that we've, we've almost set our back line up to compete against North's forward line. You know, because there's not too many forward lines that are sort of structured like North's forward lines. You know, with that sideshow Bob Brown, and uh, you got. Um, Wait, Jeez, I mean, Carlton must be really peeved watching him play. Um, <laughs> well, we we played one forward line on the weekend, just gone. That was set up very similar. So the boys have yeah. had a good practice run at it. And then and Petrie's form, goal kicking form, has been down. So that worries me because he's just as likely to go bang against us. You know, like I think he's kicked one goal in about three weeks. So I, I think our back line. If it all hangs together, as long as we don't get inflicted with too much quick inbound ball, we can we can handle that. So it really gets down to what most games do. If we can win enough of the of the neutral ball in the centre bounce, if we can control it and then convert, we win. See, yeah, look the. The thing that's made a big difference for me is Hawkins. Um, I think uh, I think it's underestimated how important he is to the team and structurally um, in terms of the way we play um, or the way we try and play the game. And I, I think even if they try to bring Vardy in or plonk Stanley in the goal square, I think that it's not going to be as effective. And I'm not sure that we're playing well enough that... Um, that we can be off our game by even if it's just 10 or 15% and still beat a side as good as North, who I have my doubts about, but um, they're still a, a decent side. They're still a, clearly a top top eight side, um, and uh, they've you know they've troubled other teams like um, the Dogs and Adelaide as well. So um, I, I'm just I, I, I have my doubts now with Hawkins out that we can get it done. Um, I'd be putting my money on North if I had to. Which, it's a, probably a bit of a concern that it's opened up just long-term as well, of just how many eggs we put in the Hawkins basket for the year as yeah. well. If something was to touch wood, it doesn't, but if something was to happen to him, 
we'd be, you know, it'd really test, um, it'd really test what the coaches are made of. That's for sure. Because um, if it, if one player can cause such an impact, it's it's a bit of a concern, I think. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see this week, won't we? I mean, I I'd love to see us come out and play play really well in a, a different style of game that. Um, isn't what we try to do every week. That'd be a great sign. I will say, I did see. Um, I mean, we we commonly sort of bemoan the lack of leading that Hawk does. If Stanley's coming out of the square, I reckon we won't have any issues with the forward that leads. So it'll be interesting to see just the impact that has on the way we play as well. And um, we might be calling even louder for Hawk to lead more after the game if Stanley, you know gets on the end of half a dozen just from actually presenting and running at the ball instead of just standing and wrestling. So it's it's interesting. I understand what you're saying, what you say about um, how important Hawkins is because obviously with our, um, our desire to control sort of possession and field position, Hawkins is crucial just for, for being able to get that kick in there and having him compete and, and not sort of be picked off and, and swept out so quickly. Yeah, but it just adds a different dynamic than we haven't seen, and um, I suppose at least it is. If we're taking a glass half full approach, at least it's getting tested against one of the top teams or a top eight team, and not. Um, you know, we wouldn't learn much if we were playing Essendon. If this has happened, yep, at least sure. they'll, they'll they should learn a bit from this. But I think if if we can come into the forward line, like we control the ball, if Duncan and Caddy and Motlop, those guys are getting enough good ball as they come in, we'll pick out the, whoever's there. That's that's the key to me. It's like, because if, if Kirsten or Menzel, I mean, if Menzel starts marking like he did the other day, um, we'll, even with uh, Hawkins missing, those guys are capable of taking marks and kicking three or four goals each. That, but if it's sort of fifty-fifty ball, if it's rough, if it's rubbish type entries, then that's where Hawkins is sort of fantastic because, like, even on a fifty-fifty ball, he can push his defender aside. He can sort of make a bad ball good. Whereas I think Menzel and Kirsten and probably even Stanley, you wouldn't really want those guys to be contesting bad balls all the time because. I think we, you need to have a better quality of supply. Yeah, and I think a lot of this weekend, it's it's probably just a sort of a stock standard thing, but this weekend a lot of it comes down to the midfield. I mean, you've got Goldstein and they've got, you know, Del Sando, Cunnington, Zeeble, Swallow, Wells. Like they've, got, they've got a lot of contested um, pigs in the middle. And oh, they've yeah. also got a bit of silk with if they get the ball to Wells and Del Sano, who can really hurt you as well with the foot. And then like Boomer Harvey always bobs up and tears a new one as well. So um, it's really you Isn't know that guy not pinching yet. Yes, yeah, so I think you know Smith, Dangerfield, Selwood, are, um, and and hopefully Caddy are crucial to uh, to how we go because if they get their pants pulled down, we're going to be in a world of hurt. But exactly. if yeah. they if they you know match it 
if they match it or at least pressure the north midfield, I think our defenders are good enough to cover the north forwards. The talls definitely, their smalls worry me. Um, you know, we made Nahas look like a superstar last year, so um, their smalls do worry me, but I'd back our tall defenders to get the job done. Um, and a lot of that comes from midfield pressure and, and the supply as well. If our midfield wins its own share of the ball, I think we do have the talent to kick a score to beat to beat North, but as you said, Turbo, it's going to come down to the, to the delivery and the quality of that as well. And the conversion. We can't... This is not a week where we can have, like, 10 goals, 16. No, it'd be nice if we picked a week to kick 16 goals, 3, and the opposition kicked, you know, 10 goals, 20, or whatever. It just... However it works out that we get in front by it. But uh, I'd be I'd be pretty content to take a week where we're, we're down on scoring shots, but we're finishing front. Um... Any final thoughts on just on this weekend, CE? Uh, not really. I'm down for the game, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, another big test, so uh, just keen to see how we go. Beautiful. Well, I think that probably just about wraps this up. Um, as I said, we probably had a we had a few more things on our list to talk about, but I had to cull a few things off. So we'll save that for the next one, whenever that may be. Um, Turbo, thank you again for being involved. Not a, not a problem. Fantastic. And uh, CE, thanks again. And Always a pleasure, Willow. Thank you. Much appreciate you actually doing the legwork and organising Turbo to get on. Yeah, I'll take that beer on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Rightio, deal. Um, all right, thank you again, everybody, um, for listening. Um, who knows when I'll probably get around to doing another one in a fortnight or three or four weeks however long it is um, as always you can any if anyone wants to volunteer to be involved they can um, send me a message or just put their just declare their interest on the the thread on the board um, alternatively we've also got uh, you can also contact us on Twitter is it it's at Bigfooty cats isn't it CA I think the Big Footy's Twitter account. You can always feel free. Yeah, that's right. Just just Google it if you if you need to. You can always feel free to contact us via there if you've got any suggestions or topics or questions or even if uh, anyone wants to get involved that way. So we're happy to have new people on always. Um, so that's about it for another week. Um, oh, and if anyone is really a sucker for punishment, I'm going on the North Melbourne one on Thursday night, so... Um, we'll have a listen to how that goes. <laughs> so, I've been roped in, so um, I'll see. I'll uh, I'll report back and and we can compare how our stacks up. Brave um, man. Yeah. Oh, good luck. Well, I've had a listen to it. I had a listen to their last one, and I'm a bit worried that I'm going to get into an argument already just from listening to one bloke in particular. So. It should be fun. <laughs> well done, Willow. All right. Anyway, thanks again for listening. We'll uh, we'll talk to you all again in a few weeks' time. Until right. then, cheers, guys. Thanks, Willow. Cheers. Go Cats. <laughs>